got next. This is Free Association with Donovan Bennett and J.D. Bunkus. What's up, everybody? This is Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. We're back. We are back in the studio. We are back in the lab. I think we're looking better than ever. Donovan Bennett legitimately looks like he's maybe 10 pounds heavier than the last time I recorded a podcast. What are you doing? What's is that the, good weight? No, no, no. Like good weight. It's good. It's all like upper body weight. Like, I don't want you to run into me shoulder first to the chest. I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stand up through that. I think I'm just wearing a shirt that I don't know, man. I dried and I don't know. I saw your Instagram post of you in a run recently, and I was like, "Oh, Donovan's looking bigger." And now I've seen it in the flesh, and it's a true story. Like you're you're getting bigger. You got a new regiment. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't, me in. I don't have a new regiment at all. You don't have a new regiment. And, and this is not no a visual chest day. Medium, so no chest nobody days. Nobody cares. No arm days. I think people care. Word on the street is that your Instagram following more so than what? anyone at Sportsnet. Have you heard this before? Uh, it depends what you're about to say. <laughs> Has more sure. females than any other of the male talent at Sportsnet. Bigger female ratio than any other Sportsnet male personality. Your thoughts? I believe it's a bigger female following than any other Sportsnet talent. Oh, so you know! <laughs> other than other than Hazel May. <laughs> yeah. There we go. And, so and, there and who doesn't like Hazel? So somebody doesn't maybe throw in an extra chest workout or two for the ladies on the gram. No, not, oh, I'm, right. not, I'm not doing it for the gram. I think it's probably because my wife is much more famous than I am. And so if she happens to tag me, I get a bump. That's probably, that's, that's how deep the uh, analytics go on that one. That's a very, very humble response. Aren't you going to ask me about me? Do I look better since I last saw you? Uh, you're very happy. Okay. And when, when, when last I saw you, I feel like the Raptors were getting sweat. Yeah, so they, they were. You, we, look, you look better in that sense. What's your female Instagram percentage? Low. I think my Seriously? mom, my aunts, and maybe, yeah, my sister. I got a couple cousins. That's just about it. Sometimes I get dudes in the DMs that are like, I'm at the Jays game too. I'm like, shouts to you. <laughs> Friends at the, the Blue Jays game. I know you always care about my, my running. And how I'm finally getting into it. Okay. So I'm doing the intermittent fasting diet recently. And I promise we're going to get to some basketball stuff soon. We're going to talk Raptors head coaching search. There was an update today. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant's legacy. And of course, Brian Colangelo. But I started doing intermittent fasting. And so for those of you that don't know, I only eat at 2 o'clock and at 8 o'clock. And I put my body into a fasting state overnight. And, and it helps you burn off fat. And I've started exercising and doing the, the empty stomach or empty calorie workouts, but my legs have been killing me lately. Like I I feel like I've been like locking up my knees and like my hamstrings have been super tight. And I have a friend who's a doctor and I asked him about, I was like, I'm really worried about my knee. He's like, it's not your knee. There's a muscle group below your knee that is screwing you up and it's your hamstrings. He's like, what do you do when you run? I was like, well, normally I watch some sports at night. And then when the games all finish, I get up off the couch and I try to go for, you know, somewhere around five kilometers around a run around my neighborhood on concrete. He's like, so you're telling me at 30 years old, your old ass is getting up ice cold off of the couch after being in repose for hours. And then without stretching, you're running and you're wondering why you're hurt. So that's just kind of like my level of where my level of fitness is at right now. Like not very smart, trying to get back into it, trying to figure it out. But yeah, I'm hurting. I'm hurting all the time. Yeah. I mean, your lifestyle 
It doesn't drive with this, but you got to go with the early morning run. I can't do it. You're, you're well rested. I know everyone you, you says slept. that. You feel better for the rest of the day. You got a little bounce in your step. The early morning, get it done. Get it over with. There'll be some nice how scenery you, on your on your running trail. How do you manage that, though, with sports at night? Because I find, like, generally I'm usually up until around 2 a.m., so the mornings are just out for me. I, I am a early riser. If I go to bed at... 11 a.m. or 3 a.m. I generally wake up at the exact same time. Do you nap? My biological clock just gets me up. You nap? I mean, I'm not a baby, so no. Mm -hmm. I mean, who who, who naps? Who naps? Don't be judgmental of naps. Who has time to nap? I work a full-time job. How dare you? How dare you you besmirch naps? Do you nap? Dude, big time. I love naps. I I haven't been doing it lately because I've been trying to get my sleep schedule a little bit more on track because, like I said, I'm a night owl. I can stay up till 4 in the morning, no problem. NBA players and babies, that's who naps. Yeah, and me. And J.D. Bunkus. So, again, this is Free Association. It is a basketball podcast. We're so happy to have all of you back. We're sorry, again, for the the layoff. Had some personal things, but also just some laziness, and we just didn't get back in here early enough. I put it mostly on me. But we are back, and we are wanting to talk some basketball. Uh, Shall we start with the Toronto Raptors, who have narrowed down their coaching search, according to Michael Grange. It's been a bit of a securitous journey for this this franchise in terms of finding their new head coach of course it started with uh, Mike Budenholzer who was by all accounts the the team's number one head coaching choice and of course he accepted the position with the Milwaukee Bucks and then it led people to believe that it would come down to one of three internal candidates of course the names being Nick Nurse the lead assistant who changed the Raptors offense this season Rex Kalamian someone who has an incredible track record with not only defenses, but players around the league and has a sterling reputation. And, and Jerry Stackhouse, who has done a wonderful job with the, the Raptors 905 and has guided them to G League Championship and a, and a runner-up and has been integral in the development of some of the Raptors' young players who, by almost all accounts, have have taken step forward and, and have had, had success at the NBA level outside of, I guess, maybe Bruno Caboclo. But... Shortly after those candidates were interviewed, the the Raptors started extending their head coaching search outside of the organization. And it started with the San Antonio Spurs, who are essentially the New England Patriots of the NBA, where every offseason, the the hot head coaching candidates usually come down to who are the who can you poach from the Patriots, which became problematic for the Detroit Lions. They didn't do a great background check with their now head coach. But the Raptors went in San Antonio and they went and interviewed Ettore Messina and their other assistant, M.A. Udoka. Uh, so those two started off as the, the leading outside candidates and you started to wonder how far this search was going to go. And it was revealed today by Adrian Wojnarowski that Zalgris Kaunas head coach, Sarunas Vicious, who is one of the up-and-comers in, in European basketball as a head coach. I think he's only 41 years old, had a cup of coffee in the NBA, has emerged as a potential candidate as well. But it has been whittled down, and it is Jessica Vicious, it is Ettore Messina, it is Eme Udoku, or Nick Nurse. So Jerry Stackhouse is out, Rex Kalamian is out, and this is, of course, according to our friend Michael Grange. I, I wonder what your initial thoughts are on this news and, and the Raptors coaching search in, in general, Donovan Bennett. Well, one, it looks like there's a good chance that the coach they fired is going to have a job before they rehire the position that is now vacant, which is is kind of crazy. And this is Masai's first time hiring a head coach. He didn't have to do it in Denver. And up until this point, he hasn't had to do it in Toronto. So I understand him certainly wanting to take his time with it and get it right. The length of time every day, every hour that goes by, 
lets me further know that it's not going to be an internal candidate because you kind of already know what you have with those guys. And if you were so compelled to make the move and go in that direction, it would have been easy. And so that's why I felt that it was going to be someone off of the Spurs coaching tree. And it was going to be someone to be brought in to totally reimagine and rethink the way things are done. Um, as far as how things are done on the court, I was hoping it was going to be Stackhouse, both selfishly, uh, from a media perspective, but also I honestly think he would have done a good job and provided some of the intangibles that I think this team needs. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's not the case. I do think that the length of time is instructive. I guess nurse would be the only internal candidate that's still in the running. And, and even nurse, you can make the argument, okay, he's part of the, the prior staff, but his, his ideas and his thoughts are, so vastly different from the spectrum of what Dwayne Casey would have normally done that maybe left to his own devices, we could get something that is, is different than what we had the last two or three years. So I agree with a lot of what you just said. In fact, I'm, I'm going to agree with all of it because I think it's probably a little bit unfair that we project uh, some of that viewpoint that, oh, hey, if they're looking outside, maybe it's because they're not certain of what they have internally. But I also think that's a little bit fair because... Part of what comes with firing a coach like Dwayne Casey, who was so successful here and and was by far and away the best coach in, in franchise history, like there's no debating that, is that when you make that move, the discussion we had when he was let go was you need to know what is going to be happening after Dwayne Casey, right? Like you have to have that plan established. And it seemed to me like what happened here is that the Raptors had their backup, or not their backup, but their their choice, which was Budenholzer. They moved on Casey because they had to make a move quickly on Bud. Bud chooses a different route, and all of a sudden you're left with a bunch of options that I don't think Masai Ujiri feels overly compelled by. And maybe that ends up changing, and maybe, again, this isn't true, but yeah, you're right. I, I feel like if if they thought that it was between Bud and Nick Nurse, that they would have simply said, okay, we're, we're naming Nick Nurse, and we're moving off of this process, and we're settling into this offseason. And yeah, you might want to see how the Spurs do things, and it feels like that they've always been enamored by the Spurs. There's always been connections between Ujiri and their front office in terms of being able to learn off of each other and going to different conferences and that there is a, a respect level that the Raptors have for the Spurs and that you would want to interview their coaches and see what they're about. But then now going all the way to Europe and checking in on a very outside the box idea for a hire, which is again, encouraged by me. I love outside the box thinking in sports. In fact, my natural inclination without knowing really anything about this guy is that yeah, you know what? Hire him. Like if he's the maybe the new hotness, give it a go because I'd rather that than trying some retread coach, right? If the options was like Mike Brown or or the the guy from Lithuania, I'm saying bring in bring in the guy from Lithuania. So a little bit maybe unfair to Nick Nurse, but I I do think back to that media conference when Masai Ujiri referenced a different voice and that they needed a different voice in the room and. And I keep thinking back to Nick Nurse and, and saying, as much as he is highly regarded around the league, it's difficult for me to envision that it's all that different around the Raptors team. If you're bringing everyone back, if you're bringing back DeMar DeRozan, you're bringing back Kyle Lauer, you're bringing back Serge Ibaka, and your head coach, you're seeing someone that used to be an assistant with you that last year, like it's hard for me to imagine how different you are as a group or how much things can change if, if the goal there is essentially to just try to elevate that same core. Here's another reason why, and I do agree with, with what you said, because largely you disagreed with what I yep, yep. said. Yep, we just did a whole circle of agreeing. 
here's another reason why I feel like it's going to be an external candidate. Although, actually, the one thing I, I'm not sure I agree with with what you said is that Bud was the first choice. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I, I think we know he was the first interview. I'm going off of three different Raptors reporters that are all really in-depth with the organization saying that he was the choice. But but they but they all have said that he was never offered a contract. Yep, yep. no, they have. But and, that could be because that Bud it was informing him that day that he was accepting the Milwaukee job. Sure, but if... if Part of the conversation would be about money and finance, mm-hmm. and so whether or not you can see the contract, you're verbally telling them. I just wonder in the Bud conversations, if Masai was interested, but he wanted to feel out, because both sides are interviewing each other, especially when you're a coach who has pedigree like Buttonholzer and, and it was suited by other teams. If Masai wants to find out, okay, certainly I love you as a coach, but how how interested are you in front office side of things made a push in Atlanta to to get your hands in personnel your relationship didn't necessarily end well with the prior GM have you learned from that and decided that you just want to coach you don't care about buying groceries or have you left that situation saying wherever I go I definitely want input because I didn't like the way my input was valued in my previous do you know what I wonder with that though is that part of with bud was if if we're going to think that maybe the Raptors weren't over the top in terms of offering him so much money that he couldn't refuse it, that Bud looked at in that situation in Toronto and said, you know what, I had that in Atlanta. I had a bunch of good players that I created, and, and we sure. ran into the Cavaliers and we lost. What I never had was a great player, was a was a generational talent. And the idea of trying to build a basketball team around someone that has a higher ceiling, that that interests me as a basketball mind more so than almost anything you can offer me. For sure. Like, I've been there, done that. For sure. And I think that when everyone looked at the situation, they said, yeah, Milwaukee, not a better city, not a better organization. Nothing better about them than Giannis. Right. But I think also, if you're looking at, at the other direction, you could say, well, this guy basically led a team that did the same thing that our team did, and we fired our coach because of it. So why would we hire him? I look at the candidates that are left, allegedly, and I wonder, even if Nurse checks all the boxes, one of the benefits that you get from hiring a new coach and really doing these interviews is you get a fresh appraisal on your talent and your operations. Mm -hmm. Another team comes in and basically does an advanced scout for you. This is what I think of your stars. This is what I think of your training apparatus. This is how I change this. You know, I suggest this. I really like the way that you do this. I've never seen that before. So on and so forth. There's value in that, in in bringing new, fresh ideas. We, We know Masai is someone who values a variety of ideas and experiences. He surrounded himself with people who really have no relation because he wants all different types of perspectives. With Nurse, you lose a little bit of that because he's been there. He's been in that echo chamber. With all the other candidates, you are getting fresh ideas. Even some of the candidates from the same organization may see your team differently. And again, I think that's another reason why, and this is all speculation, but my educated guess would be it would be best case scenario, someone from outside the organization because there's value in that. If it's gone this long, I agree. I don't think in a vacuum the Warriors are 20 wins better just because Steve Kerr is smarter than oh. Mark Jackson. But Mark Jackson laid a foundation and Steve Kerr said, okay, but what if we move Steph Curry off the ball? What if we, uh, you know, 
gave some power to the stars. Let what them if we coach got Kevin around. Durant? Well, I mean, that came after they <laughs> yeah, won a championship, but yes. I don't think that the jump is going to be similar no matter who the coach is mm-hmm. in Toronto, but I do think bringing in new ideas um, is something that would intrigue Masai the way he thinks. Again, it feels all very unfair to Nick Nurse, especially considering the year he had and the fact that it's been pointed out there was a poll done by Yahoo Sports uh, a little while back where they polled a bunch of general managers around the league and asked them who they thought the next assistant coach that was going to be hired as an NBA coach was. And and Nick Nurse led the way. He had a lot more votes than Jerry Stackhouse. He 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 was ahead of every single other coach, including at Tormesina, who's a who's an assistant league right now. So he's clearly ve- like looked upon favorably around the league. He clearly had a immensely successful season. And I think that this is just maybe an unfortunate circumstance where he might be disqualified for something because of where the Raptors are as a franchise, and it's a very unique situation. I will say this True. though, but but before you go on, yep. life's not fair. Because no, if life's life was not fair. fair the job w- would still be yes. filled by the guy yes. who, who did absolutely, it prior. absolutely. All I was going to say to that was, do you read anything into him not getting the job in Orlando when Jeff Weltman is there? And he was formerly with the Toronto Raptors organization, and they moved on Steve Clifford who has, again, a track record as a head coach and had done some really good things in Charlotte. But I did find it a little curious that, you know, this guy was passed on by the Orlando Magic. And if they did view him as such a coveted head coach and they looked at him and said, this is the next big great thing, that he wouldn't have been poached or or that they wouldn't have pushed to make him a candidate. But you could also make the flip argument of maybe they didn't because they feel as though Toronto is going to hire him. Well, why would they care if Toronto's going to hire him? If they got there first. No, I'm saying they maybe they first. hired Clifford because they were like, yeah, we're not going to be able to hire this guy because Toronto's going to offer him the job. We think he's going to. And he'll maybe, accept. Maybe. I mean, Waltman and Masai are close, so I'm sure they're sharing notes back mm-hmm. and forth. You say that about Nurse. You could say the same thing about Casey. Casey is someone who's rumored to just go down to Orlando and become another Canadian snowbird. And mm-hmm. you've got a young team, a team with a lot of impressionable guys. That need to grow as talent. Yeah, he would fit in well in that situation. So I think it is interesting that neither of those guys ended up with that job. And and Ugh. Clifford is someone who's really respected throughout the league. So I, I don't want to you know pour water on, on him being given the job. I found both of those things being interesting, and even more so in the case of Casey than Nurse. The other thing, though, when you look at the Spurs candidates, quite as kept... Popovich disciples don't have the best track record. Like it's not like well, they yeah, burned but up the is that league. all right? But yeah, it's similar to the Patriots. Again, there's some parallels there. Like they have not had the level of Eric Mangini. You were expecting him to be brilliant. The Josh McDaniels outside of the organization, same similar situation. So yeah, and, and the guys Charlie who, Weiss, who Charlie Weiss, yeah, geez, the guys who we give credit for being Popovich disciples, Steve Kerr. Avery Johnson to a certain extent when he was in the league. Yeah, they they spent time with Pop, but they were also affiliated with other great coaches. Mm-hmm. Avery Johnson gives a lot of praise to Don Nelson and his time say, under I, him. I view Avery as more of a Don Nelson guy, yeah. and I view Steve Kerr as more of a Phil Jackson guy. Yeah. I do like, it's hard for me to think of Steve Kerr and say like, he was like, I'm sure he picked up little pieces from everyone, right? Like that's what makes you great is that you can identify who are really smart people and borrow little traits from each of them. But I, I still view like the impression that a Phil Jackson would make over a longer span of time with Steve Kerr than, than yeah. Anything like Kerr is a part of uh, the coaching staff and 
in San Antonio, like, or as a player, I mean, like he, I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see him as a, a Jackson disciple and there's a, parsing, but still sure. And as a coach, I think you learn different things from different people. And I think Kerr is a great example, but I think Kerr learned his basketball acumen from Jackson, but he learned how to be a coach and handle a staff Talent. and relate to players from Popovich and mm-hmm. you, and all leaders he was also are, a player himself. Like he, like, yeah, Yeah. like I think there is a big advantage in, in like, or there, not that there's a big advantage and you can't make up for it in other areas as a head coach, but I do think that if you are a former player, one of your strong suits should be relating to players. Sure. Right? Like, if you're a guy who steps in and nobody likes you and well, you used to play, that sucks. Unless you're Jerry Stackhouse. Right. So, <laughs> but he's re- he's respected and revered. He's got the Jay Prince thing going on right now. Where it's like Jerry Stackhouse's word is going to is gonna reach other people and it's going to have, it's going to put you on notice. But, but one of his theoretical knocks was that he would be too hard. Yeah. His practices would run too long. And I found that to be an interesting narrative from a guy who again was a player, but also I think in life you remember what happened to you most recently. And he most recently was an old player. Mm-hmm. He's the re- most recent player who would appreciate no shoot arounds the day of a game. It's not like he's going to remember most fondly when he started. He's going to mm-hmm. remember the reason why he still walks with a limp. And and so the fact that Stackhouse would be too hard, that's something I could understand from a coach who didn't play or certainly play at a high level unless he, he just sees these finely tuned bodies and says, what do you mean you can't run up and down? A la Thibodeau. Let's get to Stackhouse because I think that he is the, like the, mo- the most interesting fallout of this is not that it's been narrowed down to three or four names. It's that one of the names is not Jerry Stackhouse because I think that he was the people's champion, correct? Like in this sure. marketplace, because again, he's known, he's a known commodity and he does come with the brand of toughness and, and someone that you would expect that, Hey, what's missing from this Raptors beating is that they don't seem mentally tough, right? That's the reason that they folded under pressure against the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and who better to come in here than a guy who has done it all, been in every single role, has worked with some of the young guys, has shown a lot of progress, and has that mental toughness, and, and that cannot be questioned. That will hold people accountable. That stars like DeMar DeRozan will look at and say, I need to listen to the, the gospel of Jerry Stackhouse, because not only has he been there before, but he will hold me to task. I think that Jerry Stackhouse has a future in this league. I think that he is going to be a head coach, but I think that this was again, similar to what is happening with Nick nurse is maybe not the the right situation at the right time. He's he's in his infancy as a, as a coach, like he has moved up quickly and you can point to guys like Jason Kidd, who went right from the league into head coaching and, and that didn't work out. And Derek Fisher. Yeah, exactly. There are guys who have come straight out of the league and they have not gone according to plan. And I think that was Stackhouse my, my only reservation to him being the head coach, now that I've had a little bit of time to, to think about him not being in it, is that you're asking him for his very first job to go into a extremely tricky situation in Toronto where I don't think that there's the pressure to do it because I don't, I don't if Stackhouse was going to leave you, if there was someone that was a, a ready to give Jerry Stackhouse a job, I think you'd have to evaluate it a little differently. But I, there's now that the Orlando job has closed up, it doesn't appear that anyone is going to be hiring Jerry Stackhouse this offseason, which means that there is no promotion coming for him, which means that he will still be within your organization if you so choose him to be. And yes, does it maybe close the opportunity on him becoming your head coach? Absolutely. But I just want to kind of remind people that in passing on him, that for him to come in, I think that the expectation would have been to stay with this roster and then to elevate them to a brand new height that that weirdly enough, he would have come in with the highest expectation of any head coach that they would have hired. What do you think of that? 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm the counsel of Jerry Stackhouse, uh, my argument is I'm not in my infancy. I've paid my dues. As a former player, not an all-star player, I was an assistant on a bench for a year. I coached in the D-League for two years, two highly successful years. So unlike former players who assume that they're going to roll right into a head coaching job, I've actually gone about this the opposite way. And now my, my, my time is here and it's going to be tough for me to fathom him sitting down across from decision makers for multiple NBA teams and being right in it for, for a job. Not no, he's get, probably gone. He's probably gone any. next season. And then saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to get on that bus and go get prep for okay. the Mad Ants so, next so year. So I think that... As a, as a millionaire who doesn't have yes. to. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you're doing that to get you to a place. In his mind, I assume he thinks he's at that place. But do you not agree that in putting Jerry Stackhouse in this role, more so than anyone else, and I think that this is a problem with the internal candidates as well. Like, again, even going to someone like Nick Nurse is that... But even less so, because with Stackhouse, the biggest argument for him in my opinion is the toughness that he would bring to the organization and that if you look at the Raptors as currently compromised or composed that's supposed to be kind of the missing ingredient to this team and that if you put him in the mix with this roster that it should optically elevate this team from where they were last year which was a 59 win team that that went in and lost to the Cavaliers and got swept out and, and lost in embarrassing fashion. But You'd say that about anybody, though. No, I don't think that if, say, okay, let's say if they decided to go to Lithuania and they get Sarunas uh, Jesikavicius. I don't think that the expectations on a brand new head coach coming from Europe are that you're going to take them from 59 wins and, and elevate them and get them past in the first round. That that you are going to have a little bit of time with this coach. Hey, this is his first experience in the NBA and he's coming from a different place and he's creative and, and we're waiting to see how he works with players. And you know what? if the Raptors just have internal development of their players, that that is viewed as a success. Same thing goes with Messina is that it's going to take him a little bit of time to establish whatever culture it is with him. Even Nick nurse. It's like, yep, well they had Nick nurse and it didn't work out. And uh, my expectations don't change that much as a fan. I think Stackhouse weirdly enough would have had the highest expectations and probably more unfairly so than any of the other candidates who might all be more qualified. No, I, I don't think so. One, I think if, if this team doesn't reach expectations, I think whoever the coach is, the, the blame, the scrutiny, the pressure. But do we is know what the on... expectations are right now? I don't think we do. Well, assuming the roster is similar, I think the expectations are going to be unfairly similar, which is why I felt like the previous coach shouldn't have been fired because the expectations in the first place were realistic as soon as they got the number one seed. Because if we had that conversation... To start the season and said, hey, listen, you're going to beat the Wizards in the first round. You're going to beat the Cavs in the air. You're going to lose to the Cavs in the second round. Regardless of knowing the seed, you'd be like, yeah, I'll take that. But when you're the number one seed and that happens, I think the perception is a bit sure. different. But with Stack, I, one, I think the pressure is going to be on Masai, assuming this roster looks like something like it looks right now. But two, I think Stackhouse, his value and his success will not be on how the front of the roster performs. I think people will attribute success to him with how the back of the roster performs. All of those 905 guys mm -hmm. and how that bench is improved, not from last year, but throughout next year. If the bench mob is killing people again and you know the starters can't hold their water, I think people will say, listen, Stackhouse has the future of this team moving in the right direction. The front office needs to make a better decision filling out number one and four on the roster. And that's on him, him being the side because 
those guys are tied up in a lot of money. I don't think Jerry Stackhouse cares about the amount of pressure getting a, a job with a team who's in the playoffs, who has expectations, because many studies have shown that as an African-American coach, especially a first-time coach, your jobs generally are at the bottom of the league. They're tough jobs. Thus, generally, you don't succeed, and you're in those jobs for less amounts of time than your Caucasian counterpoints. There's been a bunch of studies that have shown that. So if Jerry Stackhouse is the outlier who gets a, a first job that's a playoff team, I'm thinking he's saying, guess what? Me and Ty Lu, it's our lucky day. We're the outliers. And so I don't think he would be worried about having too much pressure in his first job because his first job would be by default a good job if it came with pressure. By the way, I don't know if Ty Lu is going to be his contemporary or his his colleague for much longer. I think there's a pretty good chance that if LeBron leaves town that they that they pivot quite heavily in, I was, in Cleveland. I was thinking about that, but I mean, who is much better option? Like, who, I don't think, knows? I don't think we know if Ty Lue is a good coach. I think that's the issue. Mm, I will say that I have my reservations about Ty Lue. I think that the J.R. Smith debacle after game one, it's absolutely all in J.R. Smith. And it's such a unique situation. It's, it's impossible to game plan for that. Right. But I, I do think that as a head coach in that situation, you have to kind of reiterate your message as to what happens if they miss the free throw, or you have to be cognizant that you have the timeout and, and that as soon as J.R. Smith turns his back to the basket, that you are, you are on the floor screaming at the official that you want a timeout and that you're going to reset it. And I also think that some of his rotation decisions have been highly questionable against the Golden State Warriors. Cause I'll say this. Yeah, it probably doesn't change anything, but I don't know how you can continue to throw Jordan Clarkson out there when he doesn't have an assist since the Raptors series and he's shooting something like 30% from the floor and he continues to make bad decisions and you can pass up. Would you uh, prefer Rodney Hood? Yeah, I would. I, I'd like really? To, yeah. Well, I'd like to see what you can get out of Rodney Hood at this point. I know that guess what? Rodney Hood has scored 17 in the league and he's, he shot 38% from three this year before he came to you and he's a bigger body and he should be able to fit into the series. And even if it means playing, yeah, Chetty Osman, some more minutes. Like, what's the fear if you play Chetty? Is that he's too young that he'll make mistakes? Like, how could he make a mistake any worse than forgetting the score on the road in a in a tie ball game at the basket? So, like, I, I just think that at at some point you gotta you gotta switch things up, and and I, I think that that time should have been uh, in the in the last game. But hey, uh, we'll see how things evolve in in the next couple of games. I want to follow up on the Masai Jerry thing in the front office pressure, though, with uh, the next topic, which is Brian Colangelo, because I think he's absolutely done in Philadelphia unless they can prove without a shadow of a doubt that it was a complete conspiracy meant to overthrow him in, in the Philadelphia office. And that seems quite elaborate at this point. But he the Eric Jr. account had a couple of tweets that relayed back to the Toronto Raptors. And one of them was this one from the Eric Jr. account, which I think was his wife. Nothing seems to fall on you, Jerry's shoulders. Why? Eric Jr. wrote in February in response to the column about a bad Raptors loss. Colangelo ha- originally brought in Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. They're falling apart because nothing was done to make them better. They are coasting on trust fund money. What's been interesting about this uh, this offseason for me, and and again, there's there's a couple of different tweets from from this account about the Raptors. He wrote about Lowry and and them wasting the the time. Shouldn't have been done evaluating and pondering after five years. Uh, the president and GM should be torched based on the Raptors potentially missing a window here. What's What's been interesting to me about this offseason is that this is the first time in Toronto that Masai Jiri has really faced a lot of scrutiny. There were times where people looked at, you know, the Terrence Ross contract or the Jonas Valanciunas contract, and and they said, like, oh, what's Jiri doing? Or the, or the Bruno Caboclo draft pick. But again, like, those were all just 
a one-off thing. I think that now people are evaluating his body of work a little differently. And, and I looked at these Colangelo tweets or the, the tweets from the supposed Colangelo accounts and said, like, I think some people are kind of coming around on the fact that like some of these things are not completely off base. Like what would you attribute the Raptors success towards more so than anything else? I would say that it's Kyle Lowry, that they, that they were able to acquire Kyle Lowry in a trade for, you know, you could argue it was bad because the Masai would have picked in a, in an alternate universe, Giannis Antetokounmpo in that slot. But the success they had was that they, they were able to grab a, a point guard and through Dwayne Casey coaching him and being able to come to terms with him and develop him, Kyle Lauer became an all-star in the league, one of the best point guards in the NBA. And alongside DeMar DeRozan's development, who was a Brian Colangelo draft pick, and at times uh, a, a supporting cast, including guys like Jonas Valanciunas and the, the head coach, Dwayne Casey, the best in Raptors organization, that the, the core building blocks of Ujiri's run in Toronto were things that Brian Colangelo brought in. And while you can point to bench mob and some of the younger players, the Raptors have had good benches around DeRozan and Lowry, and it, it hasn't been able to take them over the top. And, and I think that for the first time, this, this criticism of Ujiri is building and that the, the decision to fire Dwayne Casey was a little bit more polarizing than I thought it was going to be. And it's, it's kind of interesting where we find ourselves in Toronto with the relationship with Masai Ujiri right now in 2018. Well, one, you have to take everything that comes from Eric Jr., with 800 grains of salt, because that's a, but a, what did he say wrong lover. there? I know, but what did like when he's saying like Eric Jr. and I say he because it's probably his wife, but it's Eric Jr. Like those are just facts that Masai did inherit the two best players and his head coach from how, Brian Colangelo. How good were those players when he inherited them? Right, but he did hire the coach that got the best out of those two guys and watched them develop. True, but yes, one. I and let's not forget that that Masai tried to trade Kyle Lowry. Like, this was a happy accident that the Raptors ended up this way. But he he also didn't trade him. And at the time, everyone probably wanted him to trade him. All I'll say is this. Sure. I'm just saying it was an accidental. Masai fell into this by accident. We would agree with that. Like, the Rudy Gay trade was supposed to be a tank move. And then they tried to move Kyle Lowry, and it worked out that it propelled the We the North Air. Sure, but where are you drawing the line from Colangelo to Masai? Where does one start and the other end? When one was fired. Rudy Gay, we would say, was a great trade. And... Rudy Gay was someone that Colangelo brought, brought in, in and yep. paid. Oh, I'm not trying to make the case that Colangelo was like some but, type of mastermind superstar. But I'm that's, just what saying. Eric, that's what Eric Jr. is. Eric Jr. is trying to mm-hmm. to to defame the current regime no, by no, no, giving no. credit to we, the previous. We don't have to debate the 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 intentions of the account. What I'm saying is is that do you not feel this atmosphere of like I'm seeing it in the mentions a lot. I'm seeing it like again on social media all the time. I've seen it in the comments. And I've heard it from other people that I've had conversations with that there is a real questioning of Masai Ujiri and what he's done in Toronto since he came here. I'm not saying I, that this is me. I'm just saying that that is that is now becoming more and more of a story in in this in this media market. Anyone who questions, listen, no one's going to bat 100. percent So if there are specific decisions that you take issue with, sure, no one is above reproach. Bob Myers is a great GM. He has three too many centers on his roster. Mm-hmm. Everyone makes mistakes but what did he get him for who the centers mm-hmm. cash i'm not saying that masai Ujiri walks on water but i do think that this fan base is a bit drunk on the prosperity that this team has had and forgets what it was before this organization was in the wilderness led mm-hmm. by colangelo and masai said something when he came he said he's definitely not going to leave this franchise in a worse place than he got in the franchise has been in the in the playoffs every year since he's been here. Coincidence? 
I don't think so. Calendula, he had some high moments, but he also had some of the darkest years in this franchise's history, had some terrible contracts, some horrid drafts. And DeRozan, yes, Kyle Lowry, yes, on this team because of Brian Colangelo. Same with Jonas Valanciunas. Same with Jonas Valanciunas. Same but, with Dwayne Casey. Right, who's no longer on this team. But yes. But but also, Masai's first decision was to keep Casey. Mm-hmm. He, he could have washed his hands with him at that point, and no one would have batted an eye. I don't think it's also a coincidence that those guys got better under this regime. And a lot of that credit goes to the coach and Casey. But the infrastructure that was put in place, the accountability, even things like BioSteel, I believe go a long way. And if anyone is guilty of being rich off of what a past person did, it's Brian Colangelo in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like those are draft picks that are coming to fruition. Now we saw that fruit bear based off of Lowry and DeRozan two, three, four years. Steadily. They continue to get better year in year out. So listen, I think it's nuanced. I, I don't think that there's a definitive answer on either side, but I will say that, there's no question in my mind that the, the two best players on the Toronto Raptors and the two players that were most integral to the We the North era and to the ch- rebranding of the Toronto Raptors as a perennial contender were two guys that were acquired by Brian Colangelo, one through the draft and one through trade. So and that, hold on. I, I, would I, you I, trade Brian Colangelo for Masai Ujiri? No, 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 no. I'm not trying to make that case. I'm not making the case at all that the, the predecessor is better than Masai Ujiri. Of course, I would rather have Masai Ujiri. I think that he brings a level of prestige to the franchise. And I think that you're, you're correct in your assessment of what he's built around those players. Like I, this is not a disagreement. I'm just speaking in some of the things that are factual because it is difficult to quantify some things, things that are factual where those two players have been the most important moving forward. One is that Masai Ujiri did try to move one of those players. The other part of the equation here is that Masai Ujiri, since he has been the general manager of this team has had a really, really spotty record with free agent signings for the guys that he has brought in around DeRozan and Lowry. Started with Damari Carroll, which was an unmitigated disaster. Corey Joseph was an excellent one. It was one that was unexpected for this franchise, but it was one that did absolutely work out. He was a solid backup point guard for this organization, but it was a low-risk, medium reward. Like, it wasn't a big needle mover. He went out and made the acquisition for Serge Ibaka, so gave up a first-round pick, a real asset in the league, and Terrence Ross, which didn't hurt you really whatsoever, but nonetheless an, an asset at the deadline to acquire a player that did not help you at all in your postseason run when he was acquired and to hurt you in, in the following season. And you resigned probably at the time, a, a signing that most people would have agreed was a pretty dreadful signing when it first happened, giving Serge Ibaka three years and $65 million. He is also responsible for the Norman Powell contract, which is again, could change. I'm not, I'm not putting the book out on the Norman Powell contract, but rushed into signing him to a $40 million contract over four seasons when he had not proven yet that he was going to be worth that money uh, in, in limited and sheltered minutes. Like the signings that Ujiri has made throughout his career as a, as a Raptors general manager, if you take out the, the guys that Colangelo brought in, it's not a good list. The draft record has been sterling. It has been one miss really which was the Bruno Caboclo miss. And there were some guys behind him. Absolutely. But the philosophy behind the pick, I think we've all come around on and, and understand the the thought process there, especially considering the way that they've nailed those other picks. But I do think that some of the criticism, I, I think that I've been guilty of it too, is that I am a big Masai Ujiri believer. Like I believe in him as a person. I believe in him as a man. I believe in him as a basketball talent evaluator and as someone who can run a business. Like I, I think that you are so fortunate in this market to have this guy. But what comes with that is sometimes I think that he does get a little sheltered from some of the criticism and that 
One of the things I didn't criticize him for was moving off of Dwayne Casey. I, I, I didn't view this as like a fault of, of Ujiri, that he had to make this decision. And I thought Dwayne Casey, unfairly or not, it was time to move off of him. But I, what I did not expect was the pushback from fans. And what I did not expect was in the very same offseason for one of his colleagues, and granted, jilted lover, to be exposed for criticizing him in, in a certain way that I think has at least some merit to it regardless of the intention. And, and I just look at this and say, wow, I, I do wonder that if the we, we're so wrapped up in the focus of what the pressure is for the next coach, that maybe there's more pressure on Masai Ujiri this offseason than there is on whoever he decides to hire. Oh, I agree with that 100%. I think the, the interesting thing around Masai removing Casey from the equation is that the sights are solely set now on him. But I, I do think that even though... Lowry and Rosen are credited to Colangelo in his era. As I said, not only did those guys get better under Masai, but he also re-signed them. Yep. He but convinced DeMar DeRozan to literally wanted, like, didn't even take a meeting with anybody else. But, but, but I if think it that, was a tire fire, maybe that goes differently. But again, Masai did try to strip it down. Like, let's not forget that, that his whole philosophy that he has reiterated now that they do not want to tank and that they believe in winning that is not how it started here. How it started here was an attempt to go in and get Andrew Wiggins. Rudy Gay was moved because they did not think, and a lot of media joked at the time that you move Rudy Gay, you get better by addition by subtraction, and it turned out to be that case. But they didn't go get Gravis Vasquez and Patrick Patterson because they thought that it was going to change the ceiling of this team, that all of a sudden they were going to compete for a playoff spot. He actively tried to move Kyle Lowry, and the only reason he was not moved was not because Masai Ujiri got cold feet. It was because he had already foisted Andrea Bargnani onto the New York Knicks, and they were the ones that decided they could not afford another bad move with that general manager. Right. But also in that time frame, he had a frank conversation with Kyle, mm -hmm. and he said, listen, this is your perception around the league. What do you want to do about it? Do you want to change it, or do you want to be known as this player? It's up to you. And again, I think some of that credit has to, with the way the, the, the franchise Handled Kyle and handled DeMar and their ascension has to go no question. to the, no to the question. current GM. But you wouldn't give more credit for Lowry and DeRozan to Masai than to Brian Colangelo. Why not? Because Brian Colangelo brought them here. He, ev he evaluated them and said, I'm going to pick this guy ninth, DeRozan, out of USC. And I'm going to believe in him. And remember that the first contract that was given to DeRozan was given by Brian Colangelo. And what did most people say about that contract at the time? Yeah, it wasn't smart. No, it was very, it was frowned upon heavily. Like it was not viewed at all as a good contract and it turned out to be an absolute slam dunk bargain. So no, I, to me, Colangelo absolutely still gets more credit for those two guys, regardless of what, what has been built around those two players, especially considering I, I think that Dwayne Casey empowering and, and finding a relationship with Kyle Lowry has more to do with Kyle Lowry becoming and settling in as a basketball player than, than you, Jerry. I, I just, I see, I see it that way. I don't see, I don't see him as, that he gets no credit in it. Like, I'm not trying to make the case that Masai Ujiri just stumbled into a lucky spot and that he's some rube that has been completely benefiting off of Brian Colangelo's back. Like, no, 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 no. But that there are some things that, that we can fairly look at and say, all right, if you believe Lowry, if you are in the camp that Lowry and DeRozan are guys that could have gotten you to an NBA finals, that this year that those two guys were good enough and that it could have been the surrounding talent or surrounding circumstances, then I think that you have to put it on Masai Ujiri that more so the failures than than just about anybody else with, with the roster composition. I'm, I want to do a full look at the, the Raptors offseason coming up maybe next week with a, with a couple of guests. I'm hoping that the Raptors are going to sign their head coach and that we can have somebody in here to break it all down as to what they're going to do. But I think that they hold off until the end of the finals. Maybe, maybe not. Um, 
and that we can kind of look at what the Raptors do. Cause I, I've got some theories. I've, I've been oh, working the trade machine Hold off to the end of the final. So you mean this weekend? <sighs> yeah. The finals is going to probably be a wrap. Let me just ask you one question before we go. How many championships does Kevin Durant have to win with the golden state warriors for us to validate him as a player? I can't think of a time where Kevin Durant's stock was any lower than this because the joke right now is that this guy was compared to LeBron James last year. And people were actually seriously asking the question as to whether he was neck and neck with LeBron or as good as LeBron or had taken the mantle as the best player in the NBA. And now I'm looking at this and, and he's not going to get, he's not getting any credit for anything. What, I mean, we're, we're watching a different series. What are you talking about? He, number one, he already has a finals MVP yep. on his mantle. Mm-hmm. He, he went head to head with James in the, the playoffs last year. He did. He was excellent. Was excellent. And and people are losing it. Saying, no, no, I don't love, love I don't love Katie at all. You're the only guy who's still in <laughs> no, Katie's court. Katie it's you and Rich Kleinman but, and Bill but, Simmons all together. People are like, oh my goodness, Katie has to step up. He's play much better. He was awesome he, in the last game. He's shooting incredibly efficiently. Yeah. He, he's he's rolling no, out of he bed. Stunk. He's getting he 20 stunk points. in that rocket series, though, man. Let's admit it. He stunk compared for for Kevin Durant. He screwed up their offense. He, he, he went. He was certainly too ISO. I will agree. But there was parts of that rocket series. How much does Rich, Rich Kleiman pay you? Tell I've, the truth. I've never met the man. There's parts of that rocket series where Steph Curry couldn't hit a three. Yeah. And there's wow, parts of these... you're gonna stand for KD over Steph? Um, the, who hijacked your body? No. The point is, Steph. We forget missed the first round of the playoffs. KD carried them. He's been brilliant. At, so I'm not, I'm wow. Not, Congratulations to Kevin Durant who had Draymond green and clay Thompson. And you were able to get out of the first round against who was it even? I can't even remember. I, I don't the, the Pelicans and the Spurs No, Pelican Spurs was round one though. It was Pelicans round two. Cause I remember trying to trick myself into thinking like, Oh, you know what? AD and drew holiday and Rajon and it's back, 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 back. The first game. Katie was great. Yeah. For the first two rounds, no, of the he's playoffs. a great player. He's a great player. To me, his legacy is cemented. He doesn't have to win three, four, five, six. So you wouldn't. He's a, he's so a, you wouldn't even great. entertain if you were Kevin Durant from your legacy standpoint. Like, let's just pretend like you are Kevin Durant, and let's take out like all of your Silicon Valley connections, which of course he does have. Like he's admitted them on that Simmons podcast that he was on. Which now, sorry, but those are unlistenable. Like they're just they're truly horrible. Like it's it's a very very weird very very weird podcast. Lots of people listen to them. Sure, they're fine. But continue. Okay. Congratulations to those people. I saw number four pop up on the old subscription as a slick delete sling. Okay. Anyways, but let's take out your Silicon Valley connections because let's assume that you can maintain them and that you living in the Bay area does not affect your outside business interests from that standpoint. Would you not think about looking at other situations and saying, you know what, why can't I beat LeBron James to Los Angeles? And why can't the Lakers be my team? Why can't I sign with a different group and start my own thing again? I've got my two rings. I've got a finals MVP. No one can take those away from me. Why doesn't Kevin Durant go somewhere and, and prove the doubters wrong that he is an all-time great and that he, as the best player unquestionably on a team, can who win who a championship? these legions of doubters? You don't go if on this, Twitter ever? If this playoffs you don't listen has to talk radio, watch TV? Anything. This playoffs have taught us anything. It's that... One man, no matter how great, no, mm. even if it's LeBron James, who for me is playing basketball at a higher level than any other human has ever played it. Agree. That is not enough to win a championship. Not if you're facing a, a rigged super team. It's how are they rigged? The, the Cavaliers. <laughs> you think if Adam Silver Cavalier, could go in a time machine that he'd be okay with the Warriors? You think that he'd be okay with that if he is Adam Silver gets a time machine, he can change the cap. 
You think he doesn't go back and reboot and not allow the Warriors? Oh, to not allow them to draft Draymond Green in the second round and, sure. and, no, and that's draft all fine. Steph Curry at the Listen, Minnesota Timberwolves, take eight hundred point Listen, guards you, and take Clay Thompson at the not, back end of the lottery. The when the Warriors and then implores Steve Kerr, when the Warriors won seventy three games. They were the most popular team in the NBA around the world. Okay. Everyone loved that team. And now they became villains. And why did they become villains? Because some guy who was a bit of a coward and is a little bit like he even said, he admitted it himself. He's like, I'm, I need to be, they come, they become I need villain. somebody to they come validate me. That's why says. there's thousands of people watching them good. warm up on the road. Yeah. That's why that was there before Kevin Durant got there. Anyways, Kevin Durant's just like, they're clearly not that villainous. They're not NWO when all these people no, are wearing the, Warriors jerseys are, and asking for autographs. Well, yeah, in Golden State. And the, and the, and the finals ratings and continue to go Steph. up year after year after year. Yeah, because everyone wants to watch a villain get knocked off the top of the mountain. And they are villainous, man. Like, they are the villains of all sports. You, you know what? I never thought that the Shaq and Kobe team could be more hated in my lifetime. Like, I never, ever would have bet on that. If people would have said, listen, is there ever going to be a universally despised group outside of Los Angeles fans? than Shaq and Kobe that felt more unfair. This, I would have said absolutely you, not. You should be better than this. I'm this, not this better than this. This radio take. I'm not better. It's not a radio take. It's I, Listen, I'm genuine, man. I'll tell no. you how I feel. And I, and I can't stand that Kevin Durant went to that team. He ruined the NBA. Oh, my goodness. You mean to tell me that these stars decided mm -hmm. to give up some money and some stats to play together, to play away? What money were they, they given up? I'm sorry. It's... Steph's not making his actual max, and yeah, Katie's not he, making his actual max, so they're giving up money. Yeah. Something LeBron James won't do, like by the way. five bucks. They gave up five bucks. LeBron gave up hey, money when he signed in Miami. The day you give up some money, you let me know. <laughs> oh, okay. Whether it's five bucks or five a, million. I, listen, I give up five bucks, all right? Like we, I did. We just had a report come out that Chris Paul, mm -hmm. aging, my hamstring can't get me through a well, seven-game series. he's the president of the Players Chris Association. Paul he can't take less like, money. I'm not giving up any money. Yeah, because he's looking out for the future generation because he's a nice guy. Sure. My point is these, the these stars you who, love them. who play the right way, who share yeah. the basketball, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. average no, that, over 30 assists. No, man, that's the story coming out of the Rocket series was just how brilliantly they shared the basketball, not how Kevin Durant clogged the offense up and just took a million shots and missed everything. I'm, and, I'm sorry, did we watch the same series? Yeah, who, we did. Who won the series yeah. after seven games? They won who, the series because Chris Paul hurt his leg. No, they won this series because the Rockets yeah. and cause Clay play Thompson, ISO ball Clay Thompson and, went off. and missed 27 straight threes mm -hmm. when the ISO ball stopped working. And Kevin Durant, the front runner, finally got his offense going when the when the Warriors pulled ahead oh in the second gosh. half of Game 7. Are you wearing a Skip Bayless no. t-shirt? <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. The Kevin Durant, front runner. You gotta leave, you gotta leave Golden State Are you if a you ever front want runner respect, when you're son. the best player on your team? Is that, are you still a front runner when you're I, the best? He might be the best player, but the, the team is more effective when the ball goes through Steph Curry. Because Steph uh, is the most valuable. And in a team dynamic, JD, those things mean I can't different. tell. I can't tell who pays you. Kevin Durant's people or the Warriors. Sometimes I wonder. All right, we got to go. Again, thanks such to everybody that, that stuck with us you're, through you, this you time. Know, you're such a front runner. You went and did How a show front with, with Ben Ennis. Yo, you, yeah. you went and did a great show with Ben Ennis. Why don't Man. you go work for local radio? Man, what a work disgrace. your way up. What a disgrace I am. Uh, Get your own show, I, you front runner. I, I, listen. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, this is free association. Thanks again to everyone, all of our supporters, all the associates out there. Of course, we love the associates. Um, we're going to be back sooner. We're not going to take that type of a hiatus. We're going to come back and talk about Raptors offseason. We're going to try to do a roundtable with a couple of people. We're working on that. Um, again, go subscribe, go review, leave five stars. And again, I think we're going to end up doing a offseason mailbag in the Twitter comments at some point. So if you want to jump in there now, Leave a five-star review and leave a question. It can even be about our exercise routines.
Because Donovan and I are both equally as good of athletes now. Uh, this is Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. Matt Ethnic right now. I get it how I live it. I live it how I get it. Y'all don't really get it. I pull up in a limit. Blocks get to spinning. Money 3D printing. Never had a limit. Never been religious. I just always had opinions. My daddy told me, listen. You better get some money and I die, go to prison. So you see, yeah, I got rich and stay free. Free the dogs doing beat.